Church, you already know this, but I'm going to remind you anyway in case you forgot. We live in a world that's really full of a lot of fake things, right? I mean, we got people setting up fake accounts. I mean, we got people making fake IDs. Where's my college crowd? We've got, uh, we got fake merchandise, right? We know that Louis Vuitton that you have, we, come on. Cancun, $99, you ain't fooling anybody. So you, you, we got fake news, we've got fake nails, we've got all kinds of things out there that aren't real. In fact, do you know, in fact, raise your hand if you've heard of this show. There's a show called uh, Cake or Fake. You heard of that? Come on, be on, you're in church. I know you, some of you heard of it, some of you maybe watch it too much, I don't know. So I thought in the, in the joy and in the celebration of this service, we could have a little fun to start off. We're going to guess on a few pictures is it cake, Emily, or is it fake? All right? So what are we looking at? This tennis shoe, how many say it's fake? Or no, 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 what is it? Cake or real? What? How many say it's a real shoe? That's what I'm trying to say. Real shoe? Okay. Cake, how many think it's a piece of cake? Okay. All right, what is it? Yeah, it's cake. It's cake. It looks actually pretty good, too. It's got the chocolate. Anyway, so, all right. So the next one, what do you, okay, the sandwich. How many say that's a real sandwich right there? Raise your hand. Come on, play. Oh, yeah, okay. Quite a few say it's real. How many of you say it's cake? I know that's cake if I've ever seen it. A lot of people think it's cake. All right, survey says it's actually real. That's a real sandwich right there. I know. Is it? No, or is it cake? No, is it? I don't know. If it's a if it's a sandwich, it's disgusting. But anyway, I don't know. I, I don't even know. And I put this together. Anyway, okay, next slide. This one, there's no doubt. Honeydew. Is this honeydew a real honeydew or is it cake? Real? Cake? It's about half and half. What, what do we got? Mm, now that I know is cake. That's the, that is cake. All right, one more. This one's a, a brush. How many say that's a real brush? Raise your hand. Real hairbrush right there. It's got hair right in it. Raise your hand. Okay, how many say that's a fake? That's a piece of cake. Okay, let's see who's right. It's cake. I mean, look at the hair. I mean, some people have fetishes. I don't even get it. So this last one is, you know, the, what do you think about this picture? Is this mustache, like, is it real? Or, I mean... I don't know. I'm here to tell you that. Somebody said, oh, AI. That's not AI. That's the real deal right there. I told Jody, Jody, if I ever get a Harley, that's my look. And she said, that's one more, one more reason why you're never getting a Harley. So anyway, so that, uh, yeah, we can put that down. So cake or fake. Listen to me. The world that we live in is fake in many ways. It's filtered in many ways. You know this and I know this. And the more that we, even online, show the me that we want you to see, the more we do things like that, the more that we become, um, the, the, more, the, the less, how can I say this? The more difficult it is to be authentic. The, the more the world gives us these fake, false things, the more it is for us, the harder it is for us to be real, to be authentic, to be, you ready for this? To be vulnerable. See, we're in a series called The Formula for Life Change. And I'm here to tell you, one of the key ingredients for your life to grow and change is vulnerability. It, this, this authenticity, this realness. So in, in the spirit of the message, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be vulnerable with you. And I'm going to tell you, I've done something for this message I've never done before. I am preaching the same text 
I preached last week. So now before you get up and riot or leave, I'm here to tell you, same text, way different message. As I'm putting message notes together like I do every week on Monday, I'll, I'll come up with questions. I send them out to our life group leaders, and many of the life groups will use the questions as a, a guide for their life group study during the week. I'm typing the questions about the, 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 the woman in this story, and I, it hits me. It's like, she didn't have just one of the ingredients. She exhibited two. And, and both discomfort and vulnerability. So I'm preaching again out of Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And I love, love, love when you bring your Bibles or your mobile app because God's going to speak to you and you're going to want to write it or highlight it. Um, but we'll put it on the screen as well. Listen to how the story begins. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She could find no cure. Pause. What I didn't share last week is, is this. The, the suffering that she was doing from bleeding, it was so serious because of, because, of the, the, because of the nature of her illness and the bleeding, she would not only be unwell in a physical way, she would be considered unwell in a spiritual way. Like she would be forbidden um, or she could not partake in any of the worship services or experiences because of that. Twelve years. That's where she's at. That's, that's the situation that she's in. That, so to, for her to even leave her home after the, these 12 years and go out in public, it is risky. It is vulnerable. Coming up behind Jesus, she touches the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Hmm. I love that. Who touched me, Jesus said. Everyone denied it. Peter's even like, Master, whole crowd is pressing in. Everybody's, I mean, it's tight in here. A lot of people. We don't know. Jesus has said, no, no, no. Someone deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power go from me. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees, fell to the knees of Jesus. Think about this now. She thought she'd kind of gotten away with it. She touched the robe. She was healed. No one's seeing anything. And she, she can get out as quick as she got in. But now all of a sudden, Jesus isn't letting it happen. And Jesus is, is, is kind of making a deal about it and calling her out. Now she realizes the gig is up. And once again, she's vulnerable. She falls to the feet of Jesus in vulnerability. And this is what it says. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him. And, and, she immediate, and why she was immediately healed. Isn't that crazy? She had to explain to everybody. Like, can, can you imagine that? Imagine if you were at the doctor's office and every time you went, before you went in to see the doctor, you'd have to just get up in front of everybody in the waiting room, give them your name and why you're going to see the doctor. I mean, there'd be a lot less people in the ER. I'm just telling you. Like, hi everybody, Monty, uh, hemorrhoids, uh, pray for me. You know, I, you ain't going. It's not happening. And by the way, some of you, if you're honest, you go to the ER way too much anyway. Come on. I mean, there should be like guidelines. Kids, I'm coming up with some for our family. Like when you ask me, Dad, should I go to the ER? I've already got like a checklist we're going to go through. It's like, number one, you know, are any of your extremities or limbs missing or, or broken? Yes or no? Okay, check. Done. Uh, number two, have you lost consciousness like in the last hour for more than five minutes? No? Okay, good. Uh, number three, have you lost more than a pint of blood today? No? Okay, you're fine. Rub some dirt on it. We'll, if it hurts again tomorrow, we'll run through the list again. I mean, 
Maybe that's a little rough, but it, come on, ER. So, but that would change things. She had to, exp- God, think about that. So, she, so she's on her knees telling everybody what her issue was, her, her vulnerable issue, and that Jesus healed her. Listen to what Jesus says to her. It's crazy. He, lo- he, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And it hit me right there. Jesus didn't call her out to embarrass her. He called her out to bless her. Don't miss that. See, if he would allow her to sneak right back through the crowd and go back to where she came from, think of what she would have missed. She, she would have missed meeting Jesus. She would have missed speaking to Jesus. She would have missed Jesus calling her daughter. She, she wouldn't have known that it was her, her faith that made her well. See, it was her discomfort that got her close to Jesus. But it was her vulnerability that introduced her to him. Do not miss that. Her comfort got her close. Her vulnerability got her in. Got her introduced to Jesus. That's why they're both necessary and both important, but both very, very different. When you're vulnerable with others, it allows others to minister to you and help you. But very few people will do this. And and you know this, you know this. Maybe you're modeling this. Most people do. They're not going to let people in. I was, uh, this is probably, gosh, maybe over a month ago, maybe two months ago now, I was talking to a leader. We're having this conversation, and I was so proud of her because she starts to get vulnerable and share some things, areas where she's struggling with God. And I love that. I I think God's okay with that. He he gets we struggle. And she said, "I, I have not been trusting God in areas like I should. And she specifically brought up, she's brought up this, giving. She said, I haven't given, you know, and she felt embarrassed to say it. And uh, because she understands, like, tithing isn't money, tithing is trusting. And she says, I haven't been trusting God with that area because things have been hard, things have been tight. So I pulled back. And then, so I talked to her and she said, and she, then she went further and said, it wasn't just recent, but she'd been, this trust, this lack of trust had been going on quite a long time. And I said, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you come to us so we could, we could walk with you, love you, help you, uh, connect you with people that could do whatever it takes to help? And here's what she said. She said, I was embarrassed because I'm a leader, and you or others wouldn't think I have my life together. And I thought to myself, good thing I have my life all together, right? I mean, how many here your life's all together? Just raise your hand. Everything's where you want it to be. Yeah, okay, online, no hands are up, and yours shouldn't be either. So, I mean, none of us. I mean, the fact that she was leading tells me that her life's not together because people are hard to lead. So, but I, I, I but in her, her thought process was that, that, that makes me look weak if I were to admit this or share this. And I'm here to, I told her, I'll tell you the same thing. Vulnerability is not a sign of weakness. Vulnerability is actually a sign of strength. It is actually a sign of strength. That's why I was so proud of her for even going there and, and, and saying these things. They just, it's so, so, I'll catch this. Vulnerability is not only a sign of strength. Vulnerability is a sign of obedience. I'll, I'll show you. Galatians, this is the book in the New Testament. Paul, a man transformed by Jesus, who planted a lot of churches, wrote a lot of letters to those churches in the New Testament. That's why you hear about Colossians and Galatians and Corinthians. Those are all letters to the church and to you and I. In Galatians, Paul writes a letter, and listen to what he says. Galatians 6, 2. He says, you, church, share each other's burdens, and don't miss it, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. 
See, others can't share their burdens, and you can't share your burdens with others. You, we can't share them if we don't know them. So God says it's actually a, a, a obedience to be vulnerable with others. Now, now there, there is a line. I always got to say this. There is a line. You can go too far. Come on, how many, how many have, by show of hands, how many, you have that person in your life, that friend, that family member, overshare? They just share way too much. Yeah, don't point, don't point. But, it, I mean, it's bad. Like, they start sharing all the, the details. So this is where I went, and this is what I did, and this is what we did. And you're like, stop, stop talking. You should be talking to, like, your counselor or your parole officer or, or uh, not a pastor, no, 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 or a pastor. But they, we overshare. So there are stipulations, there are guidelines into sharing. And uh, one of them I think that is so simple is this. You should be authentic and real with everybody. You shouldn't really be fake with anybody, and neither should I. We should, be, we should be authentic with all and vulnerable with some. That's a great guideline. That, that's, see, that's what we try to do in our purpose groups and our life groups, is we know that we want to be real with everybody, even though that's so hard sometimes. But to be vulnerable, where you find this ingredient for life change, you want that in a pocket of people that you can trust, that you can love. That's why in both a purpose group and a life group, there is a, there is a confidentiality clause where we just keep it, we just keep it in that group. And people, people to know that and trust that is huge. It is so it, and it's so important, I'm telling you, when you have that environment, when you have that area, when you can go to that group and you can open up and you can really get real and you can really start to admit that, you know what, I'm not who I thought I was going to be right now. And I'm not even who you think I am right now. And you start to share and you start to open up and mention that there are areas of your life that aren't okay. That's when you will start to experience the hope and the healing that you're desperately longing for. That's where it happens. That's why these groups are so crucial. You ain't doing that otherwise. You're not sharing the deep, dark things and having somebody love you and pray over you in that way. Maybe gossip with you. What? We've all been guilty of that, but we're, we're, we're going another direction. We're going a godly direction. I'm telling you, anything good that I've done in my life has come from the people that God has wrapped around me and allowed me to confide in, love, pray for, and pray for me, and, and really get vulnerable with. That's where my life has changed. That's what God is doing. I mean, I, you've heard, maybe heard this said. It's, it's, it's true. We impress people with our strengths, don't we? Look what I can do. Look what, look what all this. But we connect. Say connect. We connect through our weakness. And you know this. It's when the, it's when the, it's when the person that you know in your life says, you know what? This is what's been happening behind closed doors. I've, I, you know, I've been drinking and I've been doing it basically every other day or every day. And, and you, 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 you might, and, you, and, and there's a level of like a connection that happens because, because you know that you've got stuff in your life that you've been doing. And when they reach out and they say these things and you know that it's okay to not be okay. By the way, it's okay to not be okay. But you don't have to say that way. That's what, that's what it's all about. That's why it's so key. So, I love our groups. We've talked about them a lot recently. Life groups, open groups, people getting in, getting out, studying the Word of God together, confidentiality, purpose groups, closed groups, start once a year, September 1st, four people uh, locked in, low, high, high level of accountability, completely different groups, completely both necessary. Um, Emma's actually been in both. And uh, so I thought rather than me blabber at you for another five, ten minutes, 
I'd let her come talk to you about her experience because it's ultimately, I mean, it's life-changing. I can't wait for you to hear it. So would you give it up for Emma as she comes up to the stage? I don't even know where she is. Oh, there you are. So it's not awkward. Let's give it up again for Emma as she comes up to the stage. Emma, you're awesome. Thanks for having the courage to get up here and share. I'm going to grab a mic. Let's see here. I'm just going to guess. I don't know. Can I use this one? So I'll never forget when I met Emma walking into the Beardmore Event Center. That's a place in Bellevue where we met for the first three years. And Emma, it was, let me see here. I, ha I had something I wanted to ask right away. Oh, do you recognize her? I mean, she's on the host team. So when you walk in sometimes, this is the first beautiful face that you get to see. That's why people come back. It's, it's, not, it's not me. So, but you, what, what I appreciate about you and your walk right away, getting to know you with Meadows, is really quickly, I don't know the, maybe the time frame, maybe a couple months, few months, but very quickly, you jumped into a life group. And when I asked you, what made you do that? Um, basically, well, I'll let you answer. What made you do that? Why did you jump in so quickly when a lot of people have a hard time taking that step right away? Um, I basically said, deep down, I just knew that it was a thing to do. You just can't do life alone. You need the community, whether it's in intimate, like purpose group or life group. You just need to be in something like that. There are some people that are brought up in church that kind of know that as churches talk about community or even businesses talk about the power of community, you just know, I'm, I should do that, right? And a lot of people, even though you may not be in a group, deep down you're like, ah, they bring it up. I know it's probably the right thing to do. You knew that. The difference is you acted on it really quickly. So we're going to fast forward pretty quickly in your story. Uh, so you're, you're, you're in a life group pretty much right away. It would take... A couple years at least before you took a step into serving on the host team that you still serve on, which, which is awesome. It just shows that it takes time for us to take steps. But when you started serving on the host team, Emma, I mean, you, you did it well. You look good just like you look good today, all pretty and just smiley and bubbly. That's who she is. Everything looked really good on the outside, but on the inside, on the places people couldn't see, things weren't that good, were they? Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I started serving. I started serving, and um, basically my marriage was falling apart. I would still show up sometimes. My husband would come with me. Um, nobody knew what was going on. We both, he was doing things, I was doing things. Um, but like Pastor Monty said, I'd just show up and act like everything was fine. Um, yeah. Things, yeah. It's hard because you don't, this is a hard line to walk because she's getting really vulnerable with you and uh, it's not easy, but so marriage was not good. No. Um, things in your life going on, not good. Um, so we, we, and that's been going, I mean, pretty much the whole time yeah. while you came. Fast forward now to last year. A, almost probably a year ago, about this time, uh, a girl in our church named Cassie asked you to be part of a purpose group because they're coming up in September like they were last year. So she asked you to be in a purpose group. You have all this stuff going on. So what is your response to her? Um, I remember her 
texted me and I was like, oh, okay, I'll meet with her. Um, actually, the day I met with her was the day I had my first ultrasound. Um, I remember her asking me and I was like, sure, I'll do this. Kind of, I didn't want to say no, but deep down I knew that it's something I needed. Your first ultrasound, we didn't even mention this. So you, you were two months? Yeah. Two months pregnant? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eight weeks pregnant, so I just found out I was pregnant. Yeah, so okay, when she asked you, yeah, and I was living a very simple summer. Um, my husband and I still having a very rocky marriage. Um, I honestly did not want to keep my baby. I remember going to my ultrasound, and not it didn't seem real, but it was real. I remember talking to Pastor Monty on the phone, telling him that I was pregnant, but I didn't want to keep the baby. Um, I remember bringing it up to my purpose group, like the very first week time. Um, well, your very first night at purpose group was kind of crazy. Yeah. Because this, uh, this is good. So, Emma, Cassie asked you to be in it. You're like, eh. I mean, you, you told the one thing you said is, I you know, it's hard to say no, right? You're so nice. I, like, how can I turn? You didn't really want to, but you're like, oh, I'll do it reluctantly. And then you kind of just went to the first group and or the first night of purpose group and what went down? Um, so, yeah, um, we went to first night purpose group. Cassie brought out the covenant. There's a covenant you sign. Um, it just talks about how you have to be vulnerable and you show up, all these things. Um and one of them is like, you have to be open and talk about your deep, dark struggles, pretty much. Nobody knew what was going on. Like Pastor Wendy said, come to church and act like everything was fine. But it was not. I was not doing very well. Um, and so I remember at the very end, I was like, well, I'm just going to tell you guys what's going on. Like, this is, and I told them what I was doing all summer. And, um... I don't know in my head if I was like, I should just set the, just do it, or there's something about being in a group of people where you just feel like you can talk about it. I think that was a big part of it. And so I told him, like, this is what's happening. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to talk to my husband about this. Um, and I just remember Cassie saying, like, I don't remember her specific words, but she basically said, like, guys, this is what Purpose Group is about. Like, I mean, first night usually doesn't happen, but... Uh, Not like that. Like, you really... You told them everything. Yeah. I mean, like, you didn't hold back. No. It's, it's like, either I'm going to test the group right now. Either they're going to kick me out right away and be scared, or they're just going to, like, embrace me. And even though you told... I mean, you held nothing back the very first night, I think, and they embraced you. In fact, you said, you said to me, you said, Cassie, uh, the, or the group prayed over you, told you how proud they were of you, um, which, I mean, that had to make you feel like, okay, this is, this is a good move. Yep, and then that night or maybe the next night, part of the purpose of accountability is, how did your talk go? Did you actually have it? Like, keeping me accountable to do that, so. Yeah, so she, she shares her soul the first night, 
but you're still not quite all in on the group. I mean, you're still not fully committed. I love the story because it's so real. I mean, just when you shared with me, it was hilarious because she's like, the first month of Purpose Group, I, uh, I, would, I was working out. I like working out. I like doing this. But I wasn't, I wasn't you, you told me this. You told me if I'm wrong, but you're supposed to read the Bible every day. And you're supposed to journal every day and come to group and kind of share the days. She, you're in the parking lot before Purpose Group, just write page by page, just writing stuff, like just to have your homework done. I mean, you were truly going through the motions. It was like the teacher's going to call on me and I got to have my stuff done. That was, that's, I mean, it's funny now, but, but back then, so, but there was a, but you only could do that for so long and all of a sudden Cassie kind of caught on, didn't she? Yeah, so I definitely was doing that. I would go to work I would go to CrossFit, and then I had 30 minutes in between. I'd park far away so I could hurry up and jot everything down. And, I mean, when you're not in the Word, nothing else is really, like, church is not important. So I would not come to church, and I don't know. I was telling Pastor Monte, if you look back at my notes from, because you write in a journal, if you look at my journal notes, it's like two-word answers compared to when you start really getting into it. But Something you just said was huge. You said, if you're not in the Word, everything else, nothing else matters. In other words, you weren't coming to church frequently. You were, you were infrequent. Yeah. Uh, you were spotty in your church attendance. So the Word, and you weren't the Word. You were just kind of like yeah. getting it done, getting it done. And, but Cassie, being the leader that she is, she saw through it. And Cassie looks pretty sweet on the outside. But I'm telling you what, I mean, she, dang, when you told me what, I mean, she yeah. got on you. She did. She um, texted me and said that she wanted to have a talk. And I remember telling you, I'm pretty sure I was like, well, we'll have the talk after Purpose Group, or maybe we met before, I don't remember. But yeah. um, she kind of sat me down and was like, look, you haven't been at church. What's happening? Either you're in or, like, this is very important. You signed a covenant. Basically sat me down as a leader and held me accountable. She did on church attendance, which Cassie noticed when you were gone, called you out like those on that day on Sunday. She'd be like, where are you at? What you doing? You know, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't, you can't escape her. So who's ever is in Cassie's next purpose group. Good luck. So now you're going to love it. So, uh, but I, I love that. That's leadership. I'm so proud of Cassie when I hear this story. So uh, let's fast forward a few months in, you're being very vulnerable um, uh, to the group. I mean, it's so it's, you know. You're just struggling. I think it was Thanksgiving time. You're, you know, marriage is still bad. You're like basically kind of alone on Thanksgiving, which think of that scene. You're caught, you're crying, you're bawling. I think Cassie, if I remember, she's out of town or something. But Um, what happened there? So Cassie was out of town and I am not one to ask for help. And that was, that's a big part of this message too. Like it's just, and that came with purpose group. But I remember sending a text out to my group saying, like, my husband's not talking to me. I'm pregnant. I'm alone on Thanksgiving. I lied to my family saying I didn't feel good. I was just at home sad. So I asked for a prayer. And Rebecca, the other member of my purpose group, um, she, I did not ask for this. I just asked for prayer. So she did this out of love. She brought me a Thanksgiving meal to my house. Um, just stuff like that. Is that awesome or what? That's the church being the church. You can celebrate that. You can celebrate. I mean... Just recognizing a need and stepping in. You weren't going to ask, but you're, you kept getting, as the group went on, you would get more and more vulnerable, um, you know, and then, uh, well, then Christmas rolls around, and even before that, something happened. Yeah, so um, 
I mentioned to them, like, what was going on in my house and my marriage and just honestly was very sad at home. Being pregnant, I just felt alone. Like I said many times, my marriage was just not good. Um, and Cassie just randomly one day, we were talking about it, so not random, but she said, well, my house is open if you ever need it. And it didn't happen right away, but one day I was just like, I can't live here anymore. And I moved, I remember I moved in on a Sunday. I moved into Cassie's house during church and they came home from church and I was there, just moved in. Hi, how y'all doing? What's for lunch? Well, I remember hearing about it. I think I was casually talking to, I think it was Bryce, Cassie's husband. And he casually like, oh, yeah, and Emma is living here. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? I said, Emma's living here? Yeah. And, and I immediately stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, that's group. I mean, that's love. Like, like when they said you can live with us, like they really meant you can live with us. Your goal wasn't, I think your goal was to be there maybe a day, a few days, maybe a week. Well, you spent Christmas together, so we know, we know it's longer than just a few days. Um, yeah, I, they honestly never asked me, how long are you going to stay? I didn't have, I remember I was telling them, like, I promise I'm looking for places to go. But deep down, I wanted to move back to my house. But being open with my purpose group, the prayer was so strong. And I now have my own apartment. But I ended up living with them for like three and a half months, maybe. <laughs> that's, that's legit. That's a group. And, and I love it. I don't know. Well, what do you think? What, what if that day a year ago when Cassie said, Emma, would you be in my purpose group? I mean, what if you said no? What if you were, because honestly, that's what you wanted to do. What if you would have been honest with her and said no instead of yes? Like, how would your life be different? The main thing is, looking back a year ago, before I was in purpose group, doing what I was doing, then finding out I was pregnant, I did not want to keep Hazel, so my biggest thing would probably be I would not have Hazel, and I would probably still be living in a sad environment. Um, could we, is Hazel in here? I mean, could we? You got to see her. Cutest babe. I mean, these are the cheeks of Meadows Church. And uh, Rebecca, bring her on up. And so, so do you hear what she just said? If it wasn't for Purpose Group, she wouldn't have her. That's what she just said. But because you said yes to Cassie, because you said yes to God, because you stepped into vulnerability, this is uh, maybe, the, I'm sure, the, the biggest part of your life. Uh, give it up for Hazel. I have to do this every time because it's, it's a rule. Um, when, Ka when Emma tells you that she didn't want her baby and wanted, you know, to give her up or whatever, I, I don't want to get too vulnerable for her, but the com I remember talking to you. I bet we were on the phone an hour, and you were, you, you were convinced. I mean, you were, there was a level of... Uh, you say coldness, I, 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 and I don't judge you. I, I wasn't going through what you were going through, uh, but, but you were, her mind was made up. This is not, this is not happening. And, but I'm telling you that when you say yes to something that's hard, something that you don't want to do, God will do miracles in your life. She is different because of today. She has changed because of today. Hazel's in her life because of today. And oh, by the way, 
you're leading a purpose group coming up in September because of today. So something I don't know if you ever thought you would do. Why would someone watching online or here in the room, why, why, would, they, why would you encourage them, other than what you've already heard, to get into a group, a, a Celebrate Recovery, a marriage group, a life group, a purpose group? What would you say to them if they're on the fence or maybe they're thinking no? You just cannot do life alone. Um, I just think back at myself, if I did not have my purpose group, I tell them this all the time, like, I don't know who I would ask for prayer, ask to pray for me. I don't know whose house I would have been living at, who would have even invited me to live with them. Um, it's just life-changing. It it's is. literally it. In so many different ways, your life has been transformed, and you would be a different person today if you, if you wouldn't have done that, taken that step. Anything else, just want to open it up in case I missed anything, or there's something else that you want to share, unless you think you've covered. If maybe Hazel wants to talk for a little bit, that's cool too, you know. Could you give it up for Emma and Hazel? Well, that's not easy to do, but I knew when we got to the topic of vulnerability, God immediately, immediately put Emma on my heart because that story is crazy. And, and that's just one of the many stories that are happening. You think, oh, that's an exception. It, it's really not. Like, this is what's happening in life, life groups, purpose groups, community. So, again, vulnerability is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. And being vulnerable, I'm telling you, just hearing from her, when you finally get vulnerable, it takes the pressure off. Like, you can fully surrender knowing, right, Emma? Knowing that God loves you. Knowing that God is at work in your weakness. And, and, and by the way, until you, until you even acknowledge your weaknesses, you'll never appreciate God's strength. You never will. That's what she's appreciating God through this group. So to close, let's go back to a woman in a crowd who finally left her house out of fear, through vulnerability, through risk, to get, see if she could somehow get close to Jesus. Think of, think of how tempting it would have been through the crowd pushing, shoving, and for her to give up and be like so close, but yet say, no, I, you know what, I'm going to turn the other way. And I think that's what we do a lot in church. Like, 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 like Emma, so close a woman asking her to be in purpose group, and she's so close to turning away and going a different route, which would have drastically changed her life. You know, we, maybe you still go to church like us. We go to church, but maybe you still you sit in the back and don't talk to anybody, and God wants to move in your life. You, you hear a message, and you're close to signing up, but then you kind of talk yourself out of it, or the enemy talks you out of it. So these things can happen in our life, and they do all the time. You walk in hurting to church, but then you leave without prayer. Your friend maybe texts you and says, are you okay? And you respond like we all respond. I'm doing good, even though you're dying on the inside. See, that's what groups are for. We, we, don't, we don't promote groups to build our, I don't, I want life for you. I want change for you. You just heard how it happens. I mean, it's a, it, it happens, but it won't happen unless we step into it. And that's, and, and don't miss this. 
Being vulnerable is a daunting task for many, but it doesn't have to be. You have a model named Jesus who was more vulnerable than ever anybody ever could be. The humility that he demonstrated. So I want to close with a scripture for you and show you that Jesus, just listen to this in Philippians 2, 5, 8. You must have the same attitude, the same posture that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of himself as equal to God, that equality is something to cling to. Instead, he got vulnerable, gave up his rights, gave up his privileges, leaves the throne to become a slave, takes the humble position of a slave, born a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. He got even more vulnerable in obedience to God to the point of dying a criminal's death. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a more vulnerable position than, than being naked on a cross, dying in front of others. It doesn't get more vulnerable than that. And not just up there a little bit, six hours up there. Hanging in front of everybody. That's what Jesus did. I am telling you. When you step in. And, and the number one reason I hear a lot is, is, you know, I don't have the time. And I'm like, gosh, I have to show you how it's important then. I, I Googled something last night. Google, take, I don't even know. If this, hopefully this is a true stat. Google, you never know. But I'm like, how much time do I spend on social media a day? How much time do you spend? How much time does the average person, not in America, but in the world, spend on social media? To over two and a half hours a day on social media. So we spend two and a half hours, you know, scrolling through a, high, a highlight reel. How much, different, how much different would our life look if, if we spent half that time getting real with another person? I'm just saying, we've got the time... A group, what, here's what it will do if you want to know the advantages as if you haven't heard enough. It will connect you to God and to others. And it will connect you to your purpose. It will set you up in an environment. It, it, will, it will, a place where you, you're able to admit that you're messed up. A place that you can get, where you can confess to others. A place where you can encourage one another. You can bless one another. You can pray for one another. You can celebrate each other's wins in your life. I'm telling you, God has a place for you. Back to Jesus. So he dies that death on the cross, you know, for you and for me. And if you don't know, there's salvation. That's when you're saved. You call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. And you ask him to come into you and make you new. And at that point, the Holy Spirit enters you. Assuming that you're really wanting this. I prayed a lot of prayers and never meant it, Truly. But you really want it, he wants it for you. He'll do it. That saves you. That, that's you and Jesus. That should happen right here. I, bang, I, I hope it happens right here if you've never done that. Salvation's a moment with you and Jesus. Sanctification, that's just a big fancy church word for me, growing more like Christ every day. Sanctification requires you, Jesus, and others. Salvation's just you and Jesus right here together in your mess, in your, in your filth, and Jesus will, will, will make you new. Sanctification is what we're talking about here. Sanctification. That requires others. That happens in Celebrate Recovery. A recovery ministry that we're going to kick back up in a couple months. If you're interested, sign up in the Welcome Center. Anybody with a hurt habit or hang up. Hello. 
marriage life group, welcome center, life groups, welcome center, purpose groups, welcome center. Luke 8, 46, do you remember it? Jesus gets touched on the, on the fringe of the robe. Here's what he said. Someone deliberately touched me. Don't miss this. For I felt healing power go out from me. If you hear nothing else, hear that. And if, you, and if you're not catching it, it took me a while, and I've read the scripture a lot. I caught it this time. Thousands pressing in, maybe tens, twenties, hundreds even touching him at different times in the crowd. How come they're not all getting healed? They're touching Jesus. She just touched his fringe. You know why? She deliberately touched him. Someone deliberately, someone meant to do it. Someone did it with an intention and a vulnerability to get healed. Jesus, hundreds are touching you. Their life isn't changing. I know. They're not deliberately doing it. They're not deliberately pressing in. She deliberately touched me. Someone deliberately did it. A lot of people are doing it, but someone did it on purpose. Someone did it because they, they, they're, they're wanting change. They're looking for change. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and they want something different. So my healing power just obeys that. It just does that. If you want it, if you step into it, Jesus says, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So my encouragement today is that, that you would, that you would, oh man, that you would step in, that you would reach out, and that you would touch Jesus. Whatever that looks like in your life for your next step, that you would reach out and trust and know that he is there and he wants to help you in your mess. He wants to bless you. He wants to change you. Jesus, God says, when you humble yourself before me, I will lift you up. I will make you new. That's right. Give God some praise. He wants to make you new. Let him do it. But Fran, it won't happen unless we step into it. Unless we deliberately do something. Emma had to deliberately show up. After she got done writing about it, her nose, she had to deli deliberately show up to group and look Cassie and Rebecca and the others in the eye. You gotta, you gotta be deliberate. I'm waiting on God. God's waiting on you. That's when your life will change. Oh, the Lord is moving. Jesus loves you. So we got salvation. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith, believe that he is the son of God. Believe that he died on a cross and three days later he resurrected himself from the dead. The greatest miracle in history. When you believe that and you sell out to that, you, he will save you and he'll set you free. And once that happens, then you need others in your close circle. If you're going to be sanctified and grow in Christ, it is non-negotiable. I'll tell you, Emma would tell you, I know the Lord would tell you. I love, I love this I love this series so much. You know why I love it so much? Because I see people taking steps. And nothing brings joy to my heart more than people stepping into what Christ has for them. We don't want to be a church with small groups. We want to be a church of small groups. Because that's where the change happens. Father, in the name of your son Jesus, oh, I thank you for your word and your truth. Man, this woman, a real woman with a real story and real trouble and real heartache and a real mess. But she met, a real, she met a real Messiah, and he set her up, and he made her new. And God, if, if, if you can do it in her, 
And you can do it in Jairus' daughter from last week. You can do it now. You did it in Emma. God, I thank you for her courage and vulnerability to get up and share personal pieces of her story with people, most of which she's never even talked to or met. But yet for the glory of God and because she's, she wants people to have what she's been able to have through group, she did it so that someone else's lives, lives might be changed and know that this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. But it's also a place where we don't have to stay that way. God, I pray that somebody will deliberately, that people, many, will deliberately reach out, deliberately touch your hem, deliberately reach out to you, call on your name, and then do what you tell them to do. That is, that is exciting. That is life change. That is sanctification. And that is stepping into something that is... Mm. God, have your way. We love you and we thank you. And finally, we thank you for Jesus, for his death, and more so for his resurrection. Without that happening, we are hopeless and dead. But because of that sacrifice to atone and, 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 and eradicate our sin, we, we have hope. Not just in this world, which is temporal, but in another world that is eternal. God, thank you for your plan of redemption to save us from us. We're a mess. Thank you that you're a miracle worker. We love you. We thank you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.